0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. In your Bibles, if you'll turn to the Gospel of John, praying to the Lord, asking the Lord, what direction do we go? I've got a, all kinds of stuff we can teach and preach. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Go back to some of the classics of your field ministry. I said... Well, what does that mean? He said, well, those messages that you use to build those churches, those messages that I gave you in order to take and bring great information and inspiration, not only to help the churches grow, but also to help them maintain what God's called them to do in the midst of all this craziness that's going on. So all of these messages I'm going to preach here in the next few weeks. And we've got, oh, uh, you know, I know the Astros, are in the World Series again amen so stay clothed and in your right mind <laughs> amen and we'll get with brother Roland and if it's where we can how would you all like to have a, at least one game where we come to church and watch it in the church and have a good time together y'all want to do that we did it we did it we did it one year I'd just gotten back from the Philippines and we had a Wednesday night service we surprised everybody but we'll look and see what the schedule's going to be like and uh and maybe one night we'll just make an announcement on the, on the Facebook or the website and, and word of mouth. And I mean, as well watch it with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. 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 Praise God. John chapter 20. Now, this uh, particular message. The Lord gave this to me, most of what I would call my classic messages that are unique to me, what I teach and preach, that, you know, you'd be hard pressed to go find other uh, people that kind of preach the message in this way. Most of these messages were given to me when I needed them personally. You know, I needed a word from God personally, because I don't know if you realize it or not, but if you serve God very long, the enemy will really try you out. And he'll try to discourage you. He'll try to listen, dishearten you. He'll do everything he can do to try to get you off the trajectory of what God has for you in your life. Especially through, through depression and oppression and, and just, just trying to bring darkness on you. Ever had that happen to you? Amen. And, you know, there are many, many reasons. I mean, we don't want to go into all that. We want to go into the answer Uh, of what it takes to remain in such a state of mind that no matter what happens in your life, you're still going to serve God. Amen. Amen? Now, the great example of that is John chapter 20 the story of Mary Magdalene. Not her her personal story of how she was delivered uh, of seven demons uh, by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power that he walked in. Man, what a day that must have been. Amen. But she became not only a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but a minister. Many of the women that followed him ministered to his needs. So she became one of those. And I guarantee you, her heart for for Jesus was not like the heart of a woman for a man. Her heart for Jesus was the heart of a woman for her God. I'll show you in just a minute. He wasn't just her favorite preacher. This was her God. This was her Lord. She called him Lord. She called him God. This was him. Amen. Now you can imagine what it must have been like for her. Uh, You know, to be delivered. I've studied several commentaries on who Mary Magdalene actually was. And they kind of vary. Uh, You know, all things being equal, she was probably not only a prostitute, but probably a, a, a madam that ran others and that catered to the Roman army and had to do it out of sheer survival literally out of, sure, uh, you know, out, of, uh, out of survival. Her husband was probably killed if she had one or anybody that was support in her life was gone and she just had to make it on her own. And living that, that, that iniquitous lifestyle, de- devils possessed her. Did you know you live in an iniquitous lifestyle? Devil will get you, amen? Well, these demons got cast out by Jesus. Could you imagine one moment you got seven demons oppressing your life, the next moment you are free. Woo, come on, church. Let me try that again. One moment you got seven devils tormenting your life. The next moment you're free. I tell you, it won't be hard to follow the person that set you free. Amen? So she became a follower of Jesus. Could you imagine what that must have been like? To hear his words, to see the miracles... To be around in the quiet times when maybe it was just just the disciples and him around a, a campfire at night and all those those ladies that ministered would kind of be in the shadows and just just straining their ears to listen to the words of Jesus. I bet that was a, I bet that was a life and lifestyle that was glorious. Amen. And so for however long uh, she was doing that, I guarantee you she fell more and more and more and more in love with Jesus as she saw his compassion, his mercy, and his mighty power that he operated in. Amen. And then literally in one day, now can you imagine this? In one day, she saw the love of her life, the eternal love of her life taken and beaten and tortured and abused horribly and hung on a cross and she watched him die. Can you imagine what that must have done to her emotionally? Could you imagine the emotion of that? I mean, we read it in the black and white on the, on the page, but it, listen, that's why meditation is so good. It's so good. I was somewhere yesterday and, and, and I was able to just kind of lay down for about an hour. So I went, I just told the Lord, I said, "No, I'm going to lay here for about an hour and I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to hang out with Mary Magdalene. And I'm going to go through these scriptures again. I've done it hundreds of times. And I'm going to see her uh, watching as Jesus, as the life passes out of his body. I'm going to watch her as she, as she hangs her head thinking, oh my God, all of this wonderful lifestyle I've had in these past few months and years, it's all over. Uh, my, my, my God has died on the cross. See, they didn't have revelation of the resurrection. Jesus had to give them that revelation after he rose from the dead. But could you imagine what that must have been like as she, she hung her head? And then those, for those three days and those three nights, which had to be some of the darkest three days and three nights upon this earth, the very creator of the earth was in the bowels of the earth, suffering for you and I, for you and I. Amen. So I guarantee you each day probably exacerbated itself. Upon the other. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, the first day, you know, she was probably depressed and forlorn and, and, and grieving the death of the Lord. The second day, it was even worse. The third day, it was even worse. But see, there's always a fourth day. In every fight, in every battle, there's always that point in which you battle through it, and you're fixing to get something big from God. Now I love, I love the way it starts in verse 1 of chapter 20. It says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre and seeth the stone taken taken away from the sepulchre. Now, it's amazing when God takes you on scripture journeys. You say, What is that? That's when you may tell God, "I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem today, go with me. Amen. I'm going to Egypt today. Go with me. We're going to watch the children of Israel get delivered. That's why meditation is so important. And I can see in this one scripture, as I begin to meditate upon this, as I begin, I was at a point in my life in which I was discouraged. I was distraught. I'd worked very hard, I felt like, for, for, for little results. And the Lord was using this scripture not only to deliver me from discouragement, but also to inoculate me with a word from God so I would be vaccinated against discouragement for the rest of my life. So it starts... Just, I mean, when God takes you, he show you every, every word has a meaning. Amen. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, early when it was yet dark. Now this says a whole lot about her. That on that first opportunity to go back and pick up some type of servitude toward Jesus, she took it. Even though, Darkness. The sun hadn't risen yet. Even though in the darkness of the morning, she could have very easily laid back in bed, obeyed her emotions. Sometimes you just don't feel like it. Come on. Sometimes you just don't feel like it. Amen. But early, when it was still dark, in the darkness of her despair, she got moving. So when I studied this years ago, about 30 years ago when the Lord gave me, that, maybe a little longer than that, it says the first day of the week, cometh, cometh, cometh. The Lord kept hitting me with that. Cometh, cometh, cometh. He said this to me. He said, what does it take to get you to quit coming to Jesus? Amen. I tell you, you gotta get a get a get a strong cometh in you. Whether there's not because the devil will try you out. He'll try you out in just about every area to try to see what it takes to get you to quit coming to jesus but i'm telling you if you're like me and if you're like mary magdalene and jesus had set you free and set you free from a life and lifestyle of death it ain't hard to come to him day after day after day literally sometimes hour after hour after hour for strength for comfort for blessing and for encouragement you just got to keep coming i said you got to keep coming I said, you got to keep coming. I've said this for years in this church and many others I've preached in. If you got to come to church in an old bathrobe and a pair of fuzzy slippers and sit on the back row and cry the whole service, just keep coming. Just keep coming. One of those services, the glory of God is going to hit you and you're going to be set free. Listen, never let your current circumstance keep you from the glory of a Savior that loves you. There's been times I've, I've had to go preach meetings when my body said you couldn't. There's been times that I've had to travel when I didn't have no money. There's been times when I, I literally didn't look like I could take another step, but I turned and I came to him. And when I came to him, he gave me what I needed to keep moving forward. Amen. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene was yet early, was yet dark, under the sepulchre. Now notice this, and seeth, the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Now, now, we know by her reaction, she did not have revelation that he was risen yet. Amen. But notice, the stone was rolled away. Now, do you remember the circumstance? The Sanhedrin priesthood, those that were crying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, were fearful that the disciples would come in the night and steal his body and tell everybody that he resurrected. So they secured for themselves a a unit of soldiers from the Roman army and then they performed like a ceremony in which they literally would take, roll that stone over that sepulcher and take a, a, a melted wax substance, pour it on that, let it run down in that gap between the two, let it run down this way and then they put a big old seal, boom, right on that. That seal said... Anybody that breaks it, you're going to deal with Rome. You're going to deal with Caesar. You're going to deal with our legions. You're going to deal with anybody that breaks this seal, you're doing it at the risk of your own life. Well, you think those little cowering disciples are going to run out there and roll that stone away? Amen. But notice this. As she walked upon this scene and the stone was rolled away, she was a witness to a miracle, but she didn't know it was a miracle yet. Now, let me say that again. She was a witness to a miracle, except she didn't know it was a miracle yet. You know, sometimes we can be witnesses to miracles, but we don't know they're miracles until God opens our eyes. And I guarantee you God is going to begin to open our eyes over here in the financial realm, over here in the health realm, over here in the social realm. In all these different realms, we need our eyes open. God is going to to begin to open our eyes to the miracles that he's already done for us and he was just waiting waiting for us to get to the place to see. Now, Now that was a miracle. Amen. Now notice this. Then she runneth the Lord spoke to me and said, the comers are always the runners. You'll never run if you don't keep coming. Amen. Then she runneth to Simon Peter, to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, they've taken away the Lord. See, it wasn't her favorite preacher, it Lord. Out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they've laid him. Can you hear the desperation in her voice? Where is he? Where is Jesus? If it's a dead body in a tomb, I'm going go to go there a sermon, but he's not there. Where is he? Amen. So they both ran together. Now notice this. And the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. I love the commentary in the, in the Passion Bible. It says, love always outruns curiosity. <laughs> Amen. John outran Peter. That meant love outran curiosity. Amen. Glory to God. Always walk in love. Always walk in love. It'll get you to running. Amen. It says, Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciple came to the sepulchre. So they both ran together. The other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And he stooping in and looking in saw the linen clothes lying, yet went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went also the other disciple which came first to the sepulcher. Now notice this. And he saw and believed. Now hold on. We know from the teaching of faith this is opposite. We don't see and believe, we believe and see. That's why he did not have that abiding assurance of what he had seen. Because it took... Physical contact, amen. And thank God what Jesus said, man, when he let them handle Him, and when they saw him alive and risen from the dead, he said, you're blessed because you've seen me, but I'm telling you, those that haven't seen me, they're the ones that are really gonna be blessed. Those are the ones that are gonna live by faith. Amen. It says, for yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Now notice this. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. Well, they just picked up and... Now, could you... Here's Mary Magdalene. You know, now, she's, she's, a, she's become a spiritual woman. Uh, she's, she's walked with Jesus now for a while. And she has, she has respect. She has uh, confidence in these disciples, these, these guys that Jesus had called around him. Amen. They had gone forth with the 70 and did signs, wonders, and miracles. God had blessed them. God had touched them. Amen. And then all of a sudden, these very men in which she was looking for encouragement and maybe an answer of what's going on here, they just turned around and went home. So listen, church, man, you got to get a hold of it. If you'll get a hold of this, you'll never have a... You'll have a you'll, it doesn't mean the enemy will not attack you, but you'll always be resistant toward depression, oppression, anything in this realm, if you will just recognize and realize it is the word in your heart that brings encouragement more than a man can, more than some program can, more than even a church or a worship service. Thank God for all the encouragement we get there. But there are times in your life you need a one-on-one with Jesus. You ever had those times? In which you just need Jesus to be there. He said, "Well, he's not here. What am I?" No, no, no. You got to understand. He has a way. If you've served him long enough, you know he has a way. You know when he's there. You know when he's embracing and holding you. Amen. Now, notice this, verse eleven. But Mary stood without, at the sepulcher weeping. Now, can you imagine? Here she is. I guarantee she's confused. She's grieving. She'd been grieving for three days. Amen? She'd been grieving for three days. She's confused. She had a little spark of hope when these men were running toward the tomb and John just took out in front of everybody. The grave clothes. uh, One translation says, look like a deflated balloon lying upon the slab of the sepulcher. The the, the facial napkin that they... See, they they learned their burial techniques from Egypt. And Egypt, what Egypt would do, Egypt learned how to, to preserve the body. Amen? So they actually, those same spices and things, they learned all that in Egypt. They brought that into their nation, into, into Israel. So they needed to complete the process of preserving the body with all of those spices and everything. That's why she was there. But she's standing there, and we know, that we know from other Gospels there were other women with her. She's standing there, and instead of thinking, well, we just need to get this job done, but there's no body, the, 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 the complete emotion of the entire three days and four days and three nights or whatever it was hit her, and she just began to weep. We can say it like this. She lost it. You ever lose it? just started weeping and started crying well she lost it but here's the key look at this next portion of scripture but mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping as she wept she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher now we know she'd already looked once when she first came but now she's taking a look now listen to me closely She's taking a look into something that the first look brought her no satisfaction. But the second look's fixing to change her life. Well, Pastor, I've heard that message before. Well, you might need to take a second look. I've read that book before. You might need to read it again. Well, I've done that. You might need to do it again because you might not have gotten the full effect of the miracle that you're observing because you don't recognize it's a miracle yet, you might be all stirred up in your emotions. You might be weeping and crying, but in the midst of it, don't stop looking. You say, what do you mean? Look in the Word. Look at every service you come to. Look for the mercy and the provision of God. If you'll look for it, you'll find it. Now, I like this. Stoop down, looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels. Now, just like comers become runners... Amen. Those that won't leave, those that won't quit will become seers. Well, Pastor, I've never seen anything supernatural. Maybe you just didn't hang around long enough. <laughs> Amen. Man, over the years, I've had, I don't know how many, Brother Frank, I think, told me one time. Others have told me they've seen Jesus literally right up here in the altars. Others have seen angels in the moves of the Spirit. I had an angel right there put his arms around me, right there on the front row. I mean, I tell you, there are supernatural things going on in this building. Let me try that again. There are supernatural. They might not be spectacular, but there are supernatural things going on. And right now, right now, there are angels in this room right now. You know what they're doing? You know what they're doing? They're listening to me preach. The Bible says that they just gather. Wherever the words be, they just start gathering. Well, let's not, leave, let's not let them just leave with nothing to do. Now, notice these two angels. She's not seen in the natural anymore. She's seeing in the spirit. She seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet of where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Now listen, you say, well, can't they see why she's weeping? No, listen, the the angels of God and Jesus himself never see anything other than in the light of his word. I mean, if you go to God and say, can't you tell I'm sick? You know what he's going to say? Nope. I can't tell you're sick. Well, God, why can't you tell I'm sick? Because by the stripes that are on my son seated at my right hand, I made you well. So if you'll walk in that covenant, then that sickness will have to go. You just have to fight your fight of faith. Amen. Amen. I mean, there, there is no, uh, how can I say that, Lord? Good, thank you. Isn't God good? He always gives you the right words. God, Jesus, his word, the angelic host, the Holy Ghost will never patronize you. Let me say that again. It'll never patronize you, string you along just because, and then not do. No, he's always going to come through. He's always going to bless you. If you won't quit, if you won't give up, that's why it says in Galatians, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap. Many of you don't realize you're right on the point of a due season in your life. We're right there as a church. God has been blessing and blessing and blessing and keeping us, and in the midst of all of this, what we have declared has come to pass. You say, what do you mean? We said, we will not just survive, we will thrive. And we have been thriving in the midst of all this in the last 18 months. Other churches have been broken financially. They've been broken numerically. They've been broken in their praise, their worship. They don't hardly do but one meeting a week and they gather together and just kind of bemoan everything that's going on in the earth today. But listen, God's called us to be more than conquerors and in the midst of all this grief and all this despair, in the midst of it, there is a supernatural beings from God that God can open our eyes to that are working on behalf of the Word. Then there's the Holy Ghost working. Then there's the Word working. Listen, we are saturated and encompassed about out with everything God could ever do for us makes me happy why are you weeping now listen to her this is why this is why this happened this is why this happened listen because they've taken away my Lord and I know not where they've laid him now you know what this says the last time she saw Jesus, could you imagine what he looked like? I, I, I don't even want to try to paint the picture with words. He was horribly tortured. Not only the nail prints in his hands and his feet, but a gaping gash in his side where a sword went through and pierced the, the, the cardio. What is it, The sack uh, around the heart and the blood and the water. See, anything that is birthed is birthed through blood and water. And when that... Roman soldier, not knowing what he did, when he stuck it under the rib of Jesus and punctured that heart sack, the church was born by the blood and the water of the cross. Who glory to God. That's the last she saw. She didn't know all that. All she saw was a tortured body that had been beaten beyond recognition. The Bible says in Isaiah, when we looked on him, we couldn't even tell he was a man he was so tortured. That's because he wasn't just tortured physically. He took our sin. He took our sickness. He took our depression. He took everything that could ever be wrong with the human experience and he bore it upon himself and died on that cross. But her heart was so strong. In this statement, she is saying, I don't care if the only thing left of my Lord is a broken, tortured body. I'm going to go serve him because you don't understand. He set me free from seven devils. Amen? Now notice, notice this. This is so cool. When she had had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. How could that be? Here's how. Jesus went into the tomb, the tortured son of man. In all of his humanity, he had took everything that was wrong with the human experience. Legally and justly, he was the last Adam. He was the last Adam. So he took the curse upon himself. Amen? But then when he rose from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave, spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. for this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he came out of that tomb. He came out the glorious risen son of God. There she was in her despair. Now there's some things in these next verses that I trust God will give me the ability to, to, to weave it in such a way where you understand it. When she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto her, woman, Why weepest thou, whom seekest thou? Amen. She's a poet. Now, literally, I believe Jesus is messing with her. I believe they had that kind of relationship, and I believe Jesus was a card. Cut up. Kind of like me. You say, how do you know that? Because he's in me. Amen. Thank God I'm not in him. Oh, and why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She's supposing him to be the gardener said unto her, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me, tell me, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. What's Jesus doing there? Why is he standing there outside that tomb? Let me show you something real quick. Kind of go forward so I can go backwards. She's supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him away, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I'll take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. Could you imagine what that must have been like to hear her name again through the mouth of the Lord? Mary! Mary! She, he was saying like this, stop, Mary! Now, notice, Mary, she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, my teacher and my master. Now notice this. This is very unusual. Jesus said unto her, "Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go, go, to my brethren and say unto them, I have, I have ascended to my Father, and to your God, to, to, to your Father and to my God and to your God." Let me read that again. I got it all mixed up. Jesus said unto her, "Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended." Everybody say, "Ascended." So he hadn't finished. He hadn't finished what he'd started out to do. Because his ascension means he's going to take his blood, pour it on the mercy seat, obtain salvation for it. So there, there's, a, there's kind of a little interruption in the process of this because of this woman. Touch me not. I'm not yet ascended to my father. Now notice this. But go to my brethren. Woo! You, you missed a good opportunity to shout. You say, that's the first time he called them brothers. That's the first time he called them brothers. Go to my brethren, woo, glory to God, and say unto them, I sin. now notice this, unto my father and your father. Boy, the revelation just blowing out of him, amen? amen? To my father and your father, to my God and to your God. Now, you got, to, you got to go into that scripture and pull back up into the story to get the weight of it. Redemption is a process that began in Genesis 3.15 by the Word of God. Speaking and saying that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. She would strike at his heel. Y'all remember that scripture? Genesis 3.15. That was the answer for what just took place in the garden. The fall of man, the separation of the spirit of man from God. One day, the seed of the woman, not the seed of man. The seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. Well, honey, his head just had been bruised. Now, in the redemptive process, we know that Jesus would come to the earth, born of a virgin, live a sinless life, do signs, wonders, and miracles. He would die on a cross, but he would raise from the dead. And then he would go perform in the very temple that's in heaven itself, the ritual that had gone on for earth over and over and over throughout the centuries through the Levitical priesthood, and that is the offering of the blood of a spotless lamb upon the mercy seat of God in the Holy of Holies. This was acted out and acted out and acted out and acted out on earth in a place that was not real, but just a shadow or a type of what was real in heaven. The Bible says that heaven itself had to be cleansed. So Jesus had not yet ascended, which means that if Mary would have ran and embraced him, she would have dropped dead right there on the ground. You say, "Why covenant had not been completed. The blood had not been offered. But this is what just blows me away. And when I saw this in the scripture, just seeing it was enough to keep me encouraged the rest of my life. You say, What did you see? In this redemptive process, how important was that to God? Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's get the blood on the mercies. Let's get the Holy Ghost into the people. I ain't got time for a woman. It's crying at a tomb. Hey, I'll come back. Give me me 30 minutes. I'll go up. You know, there was 30 minutes silent in heaven, all that kind of stuff. I'll go up and I'll come right down and I'll be the first one. She'll be the first one I appear to. That was not good enough for God. And in all that was going on in that day and that hour, Jesus was commissioned by God to stop the redemptive process To encourage a woman who wouldn't quit, who wouldn't give up. How important is your faith? Oh, my God, God himself said, look, I know redemption's important. I started it 4,000 years ago. We've gone through everything we need to go through. There's just a couple more things, Jesus. All you need to do is ascend. You need to put that blood on the mercy. I'm going to release the Holy Ghost. We're going to fill the, you're going to breathe on those men. They're going to get born again. Then it's going to spread like wildfire across the world throughout time and ages. God says, but wait. That shows you how important the tenacity of faith is. Of people that just won't quit and give up. Because God had scheduled for her an encounter with Jesus before he ascended. Why? Because she was there. Sometimes you just need to be there where he is. And when you're there where he is, he can do anything to set you free. Now let me close with this. This will bless you. It was in a garden where man fell. It was in a garden where God redeemed man, a garden tomb. It was in a garden where the most precious thing that God could ever give his creation man was given, and that was the woman taken from his side to walk next to his heart, everything that was meant for the human family, all of the dreams of God for a family of his own were invested in that man and that woman. And that woman in the garden, it would seem that she brought such calamity, but actually it was the man with the authority who had the right even after she'd ate of the fruit to go to the father and intercede on her behalf and restore the whole thing, but he didn't do it. Shows you how powerful an adversary we're fighting. Amen? But in that garden, the woman lost everything. She lost her dignity. She lost her purpose. She lost everything that made her precious as a creation of God. The enemy stole it from her. And Mary Magdalene was a picture of that before she met Jesus. Prostitution, seven devils, perverse lifestyle, lost everything in her life that gave her any dignity, gave her any value or worth other than something to just be used and thrown away. Amen? But who did Jesus appear to? He appeared to a woman. And in one phrase, he tells the woman, what does he tell her? Go tell them. Go tell them. Go tell them you have seen the Lord. Go tell them I have ascended. Go tell... The first gospel message was preached by a woman. People say, you believe in women preachers? How can you stop them? You know, years ago we had the old, you know, telephone, telegraph, telewoman, you know. (laughs) Ain't nobody come up with one for the internet yet. But in that instant, every purpose of the woman, all of her purity, everything that made her the woman that God created was restored to Mary Magdalene. And I guarantee you, the reality of the miracle of the empty, empty tomb dawned on her. And I bet when she ran back, I guarantee you, we're going to be able to see these things when we get to heaven. I guarantee you she broke the four-minute mile. I bet going up the stairs wherever they were, I guarantee her feet probably didn't hit the stairs and she burst through the door. I've seen the Lord. He is risen. He is ascended. Amen. No matter what you're going through in life, Jesus is not just a figure in a book that we talk about. He is our God. He is our Lord. He is our Savior, our healer. He's going to be the one that's going to navigate us through the end times. He's going to be the one to protect our our medical people and protect us and protect our our teachers and our our students and our children and all the threat, amen, that comes against the world, the world system that we just have to be present, amen, on a planet that we're not citizens of. You say, well, we're citizens of heaven. But in the midst of it, in the days ahead, there's going to be more and more, not just supernatural, but spectacular things that Jesus is doing. It's already happening in the nations of the world. Already happening. I have a friend that I minister to and try to talk to about the Lord. It's very difficult because it's always when he's running a business, but we've kind of built a friendship over the past year. And so he was on his way to go back to his home nation. And so I had introduced to him Christopher Alam and they had a conversation for about seven to ten minutes in Farsi. They both spoke Farsi. Freaked this guy out. He's like, how do you know this guy? And I says, well, we, we're in the same family. And so he's leaving to go on this trip and I said, remember Christopher, the guy I introduced? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, would you read one of his books on the airplane? Yes, I'd love to. So I didn't get one, I got two. I got his life story and then the one about the miracles. There's just something about miracles that breaks through every religious barrier. Amen? Amen. And then I got another nice gift and gave it to him for his trip. Listen, giving always opens the door of people's hearts to hear about Jesus. Sometimes that's one of your best witnessing tools is a testimony or a book and a gift along with it. Sometimes it might just be a pie to a, to a neighbor that needs something or a cake or, or a meal that you've prepared for somebody. Or it could be something more substantial than that, but you do it and you do it with the intention of that opening the door for them to see, not me giving you something, but Jesus doing everything he can do to get to your life. I've been studying some things. And you know, the more you study in the, in the Bible about your God, the bigger he gets. And I've been studying some things in the book of Revelation because I believe that's where we're we're in the peripheral of that right now. As Jesus said, that great and terrible tribulation, thank God we won't be here. Amen. But there will never be a time on the earth like that again in the future, nor has there ever been a time like that. And so we'll never experience the, the, the horror of that, but we are on the peripheral of it as the whole world goes into it. It's dragging us. But remember what I said. When did I preach? Tuesday night? I looked in the book. I looked on the map. There's an exit called the rapture of the church. Amen. But in the midst of it all, as I was studying Revelation, come across the scripture, different translation, it talked about how every name of every person that had ever been born on the planet was written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, we always mistakenly used to do that in Pentecost. You know, come up, get saved, get your name written in the Lamb. Your name was in there when you came onto the planet. And you have a lifetime to secure. I kind of saw it like this in the spirit. God writes it in pencil. Then when you step up and say, yes, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, he erases it and he writes it in blood. There's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Yes, it's mine. It's an old Pentecostal song we used to sing. Amen. But look at the mercy and the love of God to include every person in the plan. Every person. Now not everybody's going to... Listen, not everybody's going to get saved. There are men and women today on the earth that, that God has just turned them over to a reprobate mind. The Bible says He'll give them over to strong delusions. Why? They sought it. They sought the strong delusion and God gave it to them. Amen. But it's for the church... Oh, those whose names are in blood in the, in the book. You think he's going to forsake you or leave you or cause you to be, you know, affected by all that? No, he's going to look out for you. He's going to bless you. And today, you may be one of those that are... You may be witnessing a miracle, but you don't know it's a miracle yet. I guarantee you God will make it real to you. He made it real to Mary. He made it real to her. And notice this. He didn't wait and do it in mass with a big group or on the day of Pentecost or when 3,000 got saved. He came to her as an individual because she would not quit. She would not give up. She was going to go serve a dead body and set up house right next to the tomb where he was. Because he's my Lord. He's my God. He set me free from seven devils. Just think what God has set you free from. Think what he's kept you from. This is a day, I I can't, the the conference was God screaming at us. Get ready. Get yourself ready. Shake yourself from apathy, complacency. Shake yourself from anything that would uh, uh, cause any kind of stepping back spiritually in your life. Press forward with everything you've got. Come to church, come to prayer, tithe and offer, read your Bible, study and pray, witness, do everything you know to do and let it just completely take your life over. You say, why? Well, here's why. These are the last of the last days and our grace that we need is not coming, it's on us now. And we need to walk in the light of that grace Amen. Ever head bow real quick. Ever eye close. As I look around, I see most people are home folks or people that we know. But let's just make sure. Make sure. If you're here this morning, say, Pastor, I'm I'm not. I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I need to get right with God. I need to serve God. If that's you, lift your hand. Anyone at all. We see two hands. God bless you. You can put them down after you've raised them. Anyone else? You say, that's me, Pastor. I I, I don't want to get caught up in what's happening in this world I want to serve God I want to serve God and let me just say this yes there is a devil yes there are demon forces and if you've made a mistake listen I'm going to say it to you like this you may think it's sacrilegious but I'm going to say it to you like this who cares God doesn't just get restored God doesn't care all he cares about you coming back and getting right right so, one more time as we look, say, Pastor, that's me. Please pray with me. Include me in your prayer today. I want to make sure I'm right with God. If that's you, lift your hand real quick. Two of us, right. see another, another, God bless you. Another, God bless you. Another, God bless you. Everyone stand, if you will. Now, here's what we're going to do we're going to pray out loud, all of us together. Everybody say together. I saw about six, am I right? Ushers, about six people raise their hand. So together, all of us, and you six that raise your hand, make sure now we're all going to pray this prayer with you so so you'll have support and encouragement. Amen? Amen? But after you pray that prayer, number one, pray it so your own ears can hear it. Your own ears can hear it. Secondly, once you pray it, you settle it. I'm right with God. I'm right. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. And let me just say this. Don't let your mistakes talk you out of it. Can I say that again? Don't let your mistakes talk you out of it. You're right with God. You do something wrong, you just appropriate the blood of Jesus and ask for forgiveness. Get right. Everybody say, get right. Stay right. Everybody ready? Here we go. Heavenly Father, today I openly and publicly confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. You came to this earth. You came for me. You lived a sinless life. You were born of a virgin. You did signs, wonders, and miracles. You died a horrible death upon the cross. You suffered mercilessly in hell itself. Then you rose from the dead, victorious over sin, iniquity, sickness, and death. I believe you. I receive you. Like Mary said, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. Heavenly Father, you know my weaknesses. You know me better than I know myself. I'm asking you, where I've been weak, make me strong. I renounce apathy. I renounce complacency. Set anew the flame of my heart, a fire for you, Lord in these last days I'm not going to miss it I'm not going to miss it I'm going to be a part of what God's doing in this earth as I stand at Island Church the last Sunday of October I'm right with God I'll never be the same never 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 devil look at me I am not yours I do not belong to you Jesus, look at me. I am yours and yours alone. Jesus' name. Now lift your hands and thank God. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? That just feels good to pray, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now don't forget, Wednesday night service, we have prayer 630, and uh, we'll be teaching the Word of God Wednesday night. And then Thursday is our pastoral prayer meeting. Now, I know there's some things that were said in the Spirit. You know, sometimes more is caught than taught, but I'm going to go back and begin to listen very close, closely to all of the messages that were preached because every one of them were fantastic and every one of them very much dovetailed together. The Lord is very much speaking to us. But church, listen to me. These times in which we're in right now demand, demand our attention. They demand our prayer. They demand our, our everything about us being right with God and obeying God. So come pray with us. Come listen to the Word with us. Come worship with us. And let's, let's see this thing explode and go to the next level. I can feel literally this magnetic pull of God pulling us up into the blessings He has for us in these last days. Amen. Father, thank you so much for, the, for, the, for today. Lord, we thank you for your blessings upon us. Lord, as we leave, we, we declare our protection and safety. We claim Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, we declare, Heavenly Father, in our travels, highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we are the protected of God. The righteous labor of our hands as we handle the resources you give us. Thank you, Lord God, that we are blessed. Blessed, kept safe. Thank you, Father. The jobs, the businesses of every person, we thank you, Lord God, they are blessed. And we thank you, Father. The changes of life, that are upon all of us right now. We are able to navigate by the Word and Spirit and see your blessing in our life. We thank you for it, Father. We rejoice in it in Jesus' name. Set our hearts aflame. Let us see the harvest. Let us respond to God's glory in our lives. Let our witness become stronger than ever before. Thank you, Father. We will be an answer to people's prayer. A problem to the devil and we will be a miracle in someone's life. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. Lord, we walk in love toward one another. Thank you so much for this church, Lord. Lord, I always thought I wanted a big church. I never had any idea we'd end up with such a good church. And I'd trade good for big any day. So thank you, Father, for what you've done at Island Church and for what you'll trust us with in the future. Fathers, we leave today. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be, thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, covered by the blood, empowered by the word, knowing by the word. God! Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus!